this God-inspired message from Shofar Christian Church. We trust that you will enjoy today's message and that it will encourage you to grow deeper in your relationship with Christ our Savior. Um, this morning I, want, I wanted to share on something else um, and as I woke up the Lord just laid a different message on my heart, um, one that I preached um, a couple of years ago and I had to go look for it um, and it must be for somebody here um, and, and the title of my sermon is a simple one, it's Boats, Storms and Faith and I don't know if there's some of us here that are going through storms in their life. Um, we've all been through storms in our life when circumstances turn against us. And sometimes relationships and sometimes a combination of circumstances and relationship turning against us. And, and we're in this turmoil of uncertainty as things do not seem to be the way we planned it to, or the bad reports, or all the possibilities of things that can go wrong in the midst of our circumstances, and the turmoil that it causes within us, and at times even the fear that develops because of all the possibilities of everything that can go wrong because of what we see around us, and because of what we hear around us, and it's in the midst of this um, that God speaks to us in the midst of our storms that we face and also the reality of the storms that we're still going to face in life. And it's in this context that I would like to share this with you. Um, I'm sure we all can identify with storm. Who of you are going through a storm at the moment? Is there somebody going through storms? Um, I love Jesus. I love his character. Um, I, I love not just reading of what he done, but to meet with him through his word and to spend time with him. And, and the more I see Christ and, and the more I, I spend time with him, the more I want to be like him. And it is so amazing to follow Christ. The challenge is that His ways are so different to this world. Um, and, and, and sometimes that in itself is a challenge because Jesus always seems to go 180 degrees from where the world is going and how the world reacts to circumstances. Christ has a different way. Um, and it's so amazing as you learn to follow Him you discover that wherever he leads is always to life. He um, always leads to life. Um, but in this circumstances, um, Jesus taught his disciples, and I loved how he used life to teach his disciples. One day, um, after preaching to the multitude, he actually called his disciples, and we read of that in Mark chapter 4. It was evening of the same day. This is just after a great day of ministry. Jesus said to them, let us go to the other side. Now, many times Jesus did that, especially after ministry, uh, just to get away. And he, and he told his disciples, listen, you guys, I want us to go to the other side. And after sending the people away, Jesus took them um, with, Jesus took with them in the boat. It was the same boat he used 
when he caught them, when he taught them. Other little boats went along with them. A bad windstorm came up and the waves were coming over the side of the boat and it was filling up with water and Jesus was in the back part of the boat sleeping on a pillow. They woke him up uh, crying out, Teacher, do you not care that we are about to die? And he got up and spoke sharp words to the wind and he said to the sea, Be quiet, be still. And the wind stopped blowing. And there were no more waves. And he said to his followers, Why are you so full of fear? Do you have no faith? And then they were very much afraid and said to one another, Who is this? Even in the winds and the waves obey him. So interesting. Jesus asked his disciples to go somewhere. He was very clear on the destination and he was very clear on the means to get to the destination. And on their way, going to where Jesus said they were meant to go, by the means Jesus said they should go, on their way there, circumstances turned against them. A storm came up, and there was a great storm developing, and these were fishermen. I don't know if any of you come, you will not be fishermen because you live here, but I live (laughs) at the sea. Any of you coming from a family of fishermen? Okay, fishermen, they know the sea, you know. But when fishermen gets afraid, you know you're in trouble. I remember once with my wife, we were in Madagascar going to a little small island in the middle of the night. and It was about an hour's journey by boat, hour and a half. And after like a half an hour, the captain of the boat, little boat, got onto the radio. And he was speaking um, French. and I couldn't really understand what he was going on about. But he started... All his conversations like this. Problemo, problemo, problemo. <laughs> problemo, problemo, problemo. <laughs> now, so when fishermen get afraid, you know, <laughs> you must be afraid. But yeah, Jesus' disciples, most of them fishermen, in something they were very familiar, a boat and the sea, Jesus gave them the destination, the means to get to somewhere. And on their way, their circumstances turned against them. And they were afraid. And they cried out to the Lord. And they said these things. He says, Lord, do you not care that we are about to die? And sometimes in life, we face circumstances. We face storms in our life. And we become afraid of all the possible things that can go wrong. And the disciples were afraid. And as they faced the circumstances, they called out to the Lord. And I don't know if you've been woken up in the middle of the night before, but Jesus was clearly woken up. They were panicking because of the circumstances, but you know, clearly Jesus was not. <laughs> he was fast asleep. And they woke him up in the middle of the night and Jesus stood up, you know, probably, you know, wondering what's going on. Um, First rebuked the sea and the wind and then turned to his disciples and he said, why are you panicking? Why are you afraid? Do you still have no faith? I mean, it's so powerful words, you know. Jesus woken up by them. As they were crying to him, Teacher, 
Do you not care that we are about to die? And, and Jesus asked them this question. Why are you so afraid? Do you still have no faith? And I believe Jesus was speaking about two things. He was asking them why are they afraid. And the second thing he was asking them about their faith. It sounds like two different things, but in reality, it's really the same thing. Why are you so afraid? Do you not know that I'm in your boat? Do you not trust me? Do you still have no faith? I mean, clearly they didn't read Matthew 6, you know, verse 33 that says, Do not worry about your life. What you will eat or drink. I mean, clearly, they have, well, obviously they didn't. It wasn't written yet, but they obviously didn't read that part that says, Therefore, do not worry, saying, What shall we eat or what shall we drink or what shall we wear? For after all these things the Gentiles seek. For your heavenly Father knows that you need all these things, but seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added to you. They clearly didn't know that yet. And if he is in your boat, and if you are going into the right direction, you should not be afraid. Because your heavenly Father knows everything you need. You need the challenge about storms that we face in this life, there's always the fear of everything that can possibly go wrong. Even in this nation that we face today and all the rumors and realities that we face when we face our circumstances there's always all the possibilities of things that can go wrong and fear so easily creeps into our heart and Jesus speaks to us he says why are you afraid am I not in your boat do you not trust me do you not know that I know what you need everything that you need we sang that song earlier you are a good God you're a good father. I mean, in Matthew 10, Jesus says, Are not two sparrows sold for a penny? And yet not one of them fall to the ground apart from the will of your father. And even the very hairs of your head are all numbered. So don't be afraid. You are worth than many sparrows. Why are you so afraid? Do you not trust him? Obviously there's fine print. Make sure you're in the right boat or make sure he is in your boat. Make sure you're going in the right direction. I mean, ask Jonah. <laughs> you know, if he's not in your boat and you're going in the wrong direction, then, you know, get out of the boat. But if he's in your boat and you're going in the right direction, you should not be afraid. Because he loves you. Matthew 14 verse 22 to 33, there was a similar situation. It was another boat, another storm and faith. Again, Jesus I think it was just shortly after he fed the 5,000. Immediately he made his disciples get into the boat and go ahead of him to the other side while he missed the crowd. And 
After he has dismissed them, he went up onto the mountainside by himself to pray. And when evening came, he was there alone. But the boat was already a considerable distance from the land, buffed by the waves because the wind was against it. Another storm was forming. And during the fourth watch of the night, Jesus went out to them walking on the lake. And when the disciples saw him walking on the lake, they were terrified. A ghost, they said. And they cried out in fear. You see, again, they were afraid. You see, faith and fear are opposites to one another. When fear enters into our heart, faith leaves. And the way you oppose, conquer, deal with fear is with faith. When all the possibilities that can possibly go wrong enters into your heart, the way you counter that is with faith. But when fear enters your heart, faith will leave. The opposite is also true. When fear is in your heart and faith enters, fear will leave. Because they work exactly the same way. In Hebrews 11 verse 1, we know it so well, it's a definition of the working of faith, not of faith itself. Many times I ask people for the definition of faith and they quote Hebrews 11 verse 1, but this is not what faith is. This is how faith works. Hebrews 11 verse 1 says, Now faith is being sure of what we hope for and being certain of what we do not see. That is how faith works. You know, fear works exactly the same way. Faith is to be certain of what we hope for while it's still yet unseen. We take hold of that and make it a reality in our heart. And as we take hold of what, is, what we are certain of, what we hope for, what is still yet unseen, we take it in our life. And you know what? It starts to manifest around us. Now, fear works exactly the same way. It is to be certain of what you dread for. It's to be sure of what is yet unseen. It's not even a reality yet. But you are so certain of what you dread for, you take hold of it. And you make it a reality in your life. And then it starts to manifest. I mean, I had a friend um, in high school. He was first team hockey, uh, rugby and I was first team hockey. You can already see the difference there. And um, he used to be afraid of the dark. He was 18 years old and he was terrified of the dark. He was afraid of monsters or something in the dark. He he couldn't walk home alone. I always used to at night walk him home. And I would always go halfway and then turn around and run back home. (laughs) Laughing all the way. (laughs) But he was so certain of what he dreaded for. The monsters and the stuff that was going to get him at the night that it manifested in his life that he was inca- incapable of journeying at night alone. Because he was certain of what he dreaded for, he was sure of what was yet unseen and it manifested in his life. And you know what? That's why faith and fear is opposite. Whenever faith enters our hearts, fear leave, uh, faith leaves. And therefore Jesus, every time when the disciples were afraid, He not only rebuked them, but encouraged them not to be afraid, but to have faith in Him. To put their trust not on what they are certain of what they dread for, but to be certain what they hope for, to be certain of what God promised is going to become a reality. 
to put your hands not on what you fear, but on what you believe. To be certain not of what you dread, but to be certain of what you hope for. So again, they were afraid. So you have to conquer fear with faith and trust. But immediately, Jesus said to them, Take courage, it is I. Do not be afraid. Do not be afraid. And then Peter replied, Lord, if it's you, tell me to come to you on the water. And, and Jesus must have thought, well, that's a novel thought. Well, come. So Peter, a fisherman. Now he's a fisherman. I know you don't know the sea well. It's like a big lake. There is no vimpomp. It's just there. But I don't know if there's any of you that ever tried to walk on water. Anyone? Tried to walk on water? Okay, I have. I haven't succeeded. I heard Sios. Has faith to do that. I've tried many times and failed. Peter was a fisherman. He knew man cannot walk on water. It was in the middle of the night. A storm was busy coming up. And Peter got out of the boat. And he stand on water. Why? Because they were afraid, they were terrified, and then Christ spoke to them and said, Take courage, it is I. Do not be afraid. And all of a sudden, Peter decided not to put his hope in what he dreads, but his hope in God. And he said, Well, if that is you, God, tell me to come to you. And Jesus said, come. And he put his faith in God, not in his circumstances, not in the reality that he knows, but in God and God's word. And he got out of the boat in the middle of the night. I mean, that is great faith. And then let's read what happens. And then Peter got down out of the boat, walked on the water and came toward Jesus. But when he saw the wind, what happened? He was afraid. And beginning to sink, he cried out, Lord, save me. And immediately Jesus reached out his hand and caught him and said, You of little faith. You of little faith. Why did you doubt? I mean, you, you, you have to see this. You have to see this. This is in the middle of the night. This is a fisherman getting out of the boat and standing on water. And then this, this fisherman started to walk. And he actually walked on water. As a matter of fact, he walked all the way to where Jesus was. Because remember when he started to sink, what did Jesus do? He just straight out his hand and caught him. So, so Peter not only got out of the boat, he actually walked all the way to where Jesus was. Now that is great faith. Wouldn't you agree? I mean to get out of the boat and to stand on water, that, that takes great faith. I mean then to walk all the way to where Jesus is, 
That is great faith. And I always thought, yo, Jesus, you're so harsh. I mean, the guy got out of the boat. I mean, he walked all the way to where he was, but then something happened. Peter started to look at his circumstances. He started to look at the wind and the waves, and he was afraid. Fear came in his heart, and faith left, and he started to sink. The very thing that he dreaded, that he was certain of, started to manifest in his life. And as he was sinking, he was just crying out to God, God, save me. And Jesus stretched out his hand and caught him. Pulled him up and says, Why did you doubt? You have little faith. So faith is in God. Faith is in God's word and his promises and what God says. And to be certain of that, to be sure of that, that what he said, he is going to do. While fear is to be certain of what we dread, of that what is still unseen. So Peter had great faith when he stepped out of the boat. Peter had great faith to walk on the water close to where Jesus was. But something happened. Something happened that made him fear. And that something was the circumstances around him. When he started to look at the circumstances, he started to fear. And when we look at this definition of faith, which is not Hebrews 11 verse 1, which is, I believe, more the working of faith, However, a more accurate definition of faith is found in Hebrews 11 verse 6 that says, Without faith, it is impossible to please God. Those who come to God must believe that He exists and that He is a rewarder of those who diligently seek Him. That's far more a great a greater definition of faith because faith is not just being certain of what you hope for to being sure of what is yet unseen. It is to believe that first of all God exists. Second of all, that he is a good God and that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. That's a far more accurate definition of faith. If somebody in the street would ask you, what is, what is your faith? You cannot say it's to be certain of what I hope for, to be sure of what is yet unseen. They will think you're crazy. No, faith is to be sure that God exists, to believe that God exists and that he is a good God and that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. That is what faith is. We sang that song so powerfully, you are a good God. You are a good Father. That is what faith is. Faith is not just believing that God exists. The devils do that also, but it's to believe that He is a good God and that He is a rewarder of those who diligently seek Him. And, and Peter had great faith to get out of the boat, but by the time he got to Jesus, he started to look at circumstances and he started to put his faith in his circumstances and not in God. And he started to sing and Jesus said to him, why did you doubt? You have little faith. 
And I was always thinking, but, but God surely, he had great faith to get out of the boat. He had great faith to walk all the way to there where you were. Then if that is not great faith, then what is? And I realized it is not the way we start our journey, but the way we end it that determines whether our faith is great or little. It's not how you start your journey, it's how you end it. There's something that Peter lacked in his faith, and it's called endurance. It's called endurance. He had great faith to start off with, but he started to fear at the end. Some people say faith is blind. I don't agree with that. Faith is that God exists, that He's a good God, and that He's a rewarder of those who diligently seek Him. Faith is trusting in God's Word and His character, no matter what the circumstances around me might want to tell me. I believe that God exists, and that is a good God, and I see in His character, I see in His Word, I see throughout history how He's been faithful to do everything that he said he's going to do. So my faith is not blind. My faith is in the character of God. But some people say faith is blind. It's like this, having this. Have you heard people say faith is blind before? This is how some people relate to faith. Faith is, you know what, you ignore everything around you and you just take this blind leap means nothing. You just take this leap and you hope you're not going to fall and you just you've got to like feel your way through it. <laughs> and for many people, you know what? Faith maybe starts like that for some. But this is not what my faith is like. My faith is not blind. You know, my faith is with my eyes wide open. I see right into the character of God and I put my trust in that. It's not blind. It's not blind. I, I told the story yesterday how I ended up in London. We had to make a decision within a day. The Saturday evening, we were still going there for three weeks. After a meeting, I went back to my wife and said, repack your bags. We're going indefinitely. Because I believe God spoke to me that we must go to London. And we must plant, we must feed, we must care for the sheep. And I told my wife, repack your bags. And that was not a blind step of faith. It was with my eyes wide open because I know if God calls me somewhere, He's going to provide for me. Because I know His character. I know He's a good God. He's a rewarder of those who diligently seek Him. I will not be afraid of circumstances. It doesn't matter what happens when I land there. I know who God is. It doesn't matter what the storm I face, I know He is in my boat and I will not be afraid because He knows me, He loves me, and He cares for me. So faith is not blind. That's what Matthew 6 is, 6 is all about. It says, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink. It says then, look at the birds and look at the flowers. Look how God cares for everything around you. Look, look, look at His character. Look how He cares for nature. Look how He provides for everything around you. You of little faith, 
Why do you worry about your life? But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness. Your father knows that you need all these things, but first seek him. And he will give you all these things. It's all about the character of God. It's all about believing that God exists and that he's a good God and that he's a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. It's not a blind leap. It's an assurance of who God is and who he says he is and what he promises. Peter had that faith when he stepped out of the boat. As a matter of fact, he said, Lord, if it is you... Tell me to come to you on the water. And even though Peter's faith started great, it lacks something very important. And that something determines, it is the distinction between great faith and little faith. And that little thing is called endurance. Endurance. So it's not how you start, but how you continue that determines great faith. Peter had great faith when he started, when his eyes was on Jesus, but then something happened. He started to look at the circumstances. He took his eyes off Jesus, and his faith was determined by his circumstances and no longer by Christ and Christ's word. And he started to sink because his faith was now all of a sudden determined by his circumstances and not the character of God. And you know what is the important thing about faith to understand is that our faith will be tested. God says that our faith will be tested. And the challenging thing about our faith that is tested, it never gets tested in prosperity. It always gets tested in adversity. Your faith will never get tested when everything goes right and smooth according to the plan. Your test will be your faith will be tested in adversity when things go not according to plan. When circumstances turn around you, when the waves and the wind come, it is in that moment that your faith will be tested. Of what sort it is. Is it great or is it little? And it's in that testing time that we need endurance. That we need endurance. Because you know what? In adversity, when things go wrong, the first thing that I start to question is, does God care about me? I mean, I know God cares. I know He's a good God. I know He exists. I know, I know He's a good God. I know He cares for His people. But does He care about me? And then when circumstances continue to get, get worse, we start to ask this question, but, but does God care at all? Do you not care that I'm about to die? And then when circumstances continue to get worse, I start to ask this question, does God exist? You see, it is in adversity that our faith gets tested. And there is where we need endurance, where we need to answer the fear. By the word of God. So I believe God exists. <laughs> I believe he's a good God. I believe he, lo he loves me. You know, there's four reasons why I'm not afraid. The first is because I don't belong to myself. I've been bought. I've been bought at a price. And I belong to God. I belong to God. I'm no longer my own. When I face circumstances and accusation, I am not afraid because I am not my own. I belong to God. I was bought at a price. 
at a very expensive price. I am not my own. I do not belong to myself. I belong to God. So I am not afraid. And the second reason I'm not afraid is because I know the cost that he paid. And therefore I am not afraid. And you know why? Because I know he loves me. I know he loves me because I can see how much he was willing to pay for my life. And because I know I don't belong to myself, but I belong to him. And not only do I belong to him, I'm not just any possession. I am so precious that he was willing to give his son for me. And he's even called me. He's even sealed me with his spirit. He has called me to be his own son. Small letter. He's brought me into his family. He has made me a co-heir with Christ. That's how much he loves me. I'm not afraid because not only do I belong to him, I know that he loves me. And and thirdly, I know that he knows everything that I need. Even the very hair on my head is all counted, it's numbered. God knows exactly what I need. And therefore I am not afraid because I know he knows what I need. I do not have to worry about my life. I can seek him first and know he will add everything. He knows what I need. And the fourth thing why I'm not afraid is because he is God. And nothing is impossible for him. Nothing is impossible. The one to whom I belong, the one who loves me, the one that knows what I need, he is God. And nothing is impossible for him. So I'm not afraid. I'm not afraid because my hope is in him. James 1 This 2 to 4 says, Dear brothers and sisters, when troubles come your way, consider it an opportunity for great joy. The disciples have discovered something. When troubles come your way, consider it an opportunity for great joy. For you know that when your faith is tested, your endurance has a chance to grow. So let it grow. For when your endurance is fully developed, you will be perfect, complete, needing nothing. The difference between great faith and little faith is a very powerful word called endurance. When you face the storm, do not put your faith in the circumstances. Put your faith in God. Hold on to Him. Hold on to his word, hold on to his promises, hold on to his character and do not allow the devil to bring fear in your heart. Because all that he does is he'll tell you everything that can go wrong. And even though it's not a reality yet, you're going to put your faith in that. You're going to be certain of what you dread for. Sure of what is still unseen. And the devil knows it works exactly the same as faith and it's going to become a reality in your life. So don't put your faith in lies. You know, lie, that is, that is the power of the devil, is to lie to us. Is to lie to us. But the moment we put faith in his lie, we empower that lie to become a reality in our lives. That's what happened in the Garden of Eden. At the fall, it was simply challenging God's word. Did God really say? Did God really say that you should not eat of this? Did he really mean that if you do, you're going to die? 
Did God really say? Did God really mean? As a matter of fact, let's reinterpret that for you. God wants to question his character. He actually wants to keep from you. And then the fourth thing is, you can be like God. You can decide for yourself what is good and evil. That is still the same strategy the devil follows today. Did God really say homosexuality is wrong? Did he really say it is a sin? Did he really mean? As a matter of fact, you can decide for yourself whether it's right or wrong. And so I can go through all the challenges in this world. Did God really say? Did God really mean? You can be your own God. You can decide for yourself. Based on your circumstances, on your culture, on your society, on your norms, you decide. That is the trick of the devil. And if you believe the lie, you empower that lie to manifest. And that's what the devil wants to do. And God brings life and the devil brings death. So when you're going through circumstances, know the strategy of the devil. Know that that's what he's going to do. And do not give him a foothold in your life. You know why I have hope in life? Hope is so powerful. My hope, hope is something that we have while we're waiting for the promise to become a reality. That's where hope comes in. Faith, hope and love. It is so powerful. It's the compass of life. It directs my decisions, my feelings, my actions. And it's based not on fear. It's based on the word of God. It's based on his character. It's based on who he is. He is a good father. That is who you are. And you love me. That is who I am. I will not be afraid. I will not be afraid. So when you're going through a storm, make sure that God is in your boat. Make sure that you're going in the same direction. And then do not be afraid. (laughs) Have faith in his character. Hold on to him and keep on following him. Keep on following him. You know, whenever you're in a storm, don't look for breakthrough. Don't look for possessions as security, investments. Look for Christ. If you face the storm, all you need to do is see where Jesus is. And when you find him, just follow him. Because he is our shepherd. (laughs) You know, the fifth reason I'm not afraid is because he is my Lord. He is my Lord. I belong to him. He is my shepherd. I follow him. David said that, you know Psalm 23 so well. The Lord is my shepherd. You know, and then and I had a video clip. I didn't think I'll have time. I don't have time to show it. But even today in some Middle Eastern countries, the shepherds lead the flock. They don't chase it like we do. In our, yeah, You have sheep around here, don't you? Yeah, you don't have fish, but you have sheep, eh? Yeah. You know, you chase them with whips and sticks and stones to get somewhere. But in the Middle East, the shepherd used to sing or speak. And the flock, knowing his voice, would follow the shepherd. And wherever he goes, the sheep would follow him. I have a video clip in Amman as a modern-day shepherd leading his sheep through peak traffic. Two lanes, traffic, peak traffic. Going up and down. And the shepherd standing in front of his sheep. Wanting to cross the road. So he's watching for the traffic. 
watching for the gap, and he sees a gap, and he starts to walk. You know what the sheep does? They follow him. There's nobody behind. The sheep follow him. You know, but when you're in a storm, don't look for breakthrough, don't look for security. Look, where's Jesus? I look, where's Jesus? There he is. And I start to follow him. Because wherever he leads, there's life. He always leads to where there's life. That's why David says, The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. Why? Because he leads me to where there's rest and peace. And then he says something powerful. He says, Even though I go through the valley of the shadow of death, I will not be afraid. Why? Because you are with me. Why are you with me? Because I've been following you. You've been leading me through this valley. And even though you lead me through this valley of the shadow of death, I will not be afraid because you are with me. Your staff and your rod, it comforts me. And you lead me to the other side where there's life, where there's a table prepared for me in the midst of my enemies. And my cup runs over, you anoint my head. I'm not afraid. If you follow Jesus, you don't have to be afraid. If you get yourself into the valley of the shadow of death on your own, by your own decision, be afraid, be very afraid. (laughs) But if you've been following Jesus and he leads you through this valley, don't be afraid because he's with you. So when you face a storm, just check where's Jesus. Find Jesus. And once you find him, follow him. How do you follow him? You follow his word. You follow his example. You follow his voice. And then you don't have to be afraid. You don't have to be afraid. So this morning I want to encourage you, if you're going through a storm, do not fear. Do not be afraid. Do not look to your circumstances. Look to God. Find Him. And then follow Him. You do not belong yourself. You belong to him. You don't need to be afraid. He loves you. He loves you so much he was willing to give everything for you. You don't have to be afraid. He knows everything that you need. You do not need to be afraid. And he is God. Nothing is impossible for him. Follow him. Follow him. And do not be afraid. Put your faith in him. Let your circumstances build endurance. Because the more faces, storms you overcome, because you are holding on to him, and he led you through the one to the next to the next you'll come to a point when the next storm come you say bring it on man bring it on you know that scene in, in what was the um, the guy that runs Forrest Gump still remember that scene in the sea the boat the captain having that argument with God bring it on bring it on in the storm <laughs> you're going to grow to this point where endurance have worked in your life to such a place we have so confidence in his character and his word when storms come you're going to say bring it on you're going to count it pure joy 
because you're going to know my faith is just going to grow through this. This is another storm that I'm going to weary through. And I'm going to stand on the other side and there's a table waiting for me because my God is a good God and He's a rewarder of those who diligently seek Him, who endears to the very end. Do not give up. I want to encourage you, if you're going through a storm, do not give up. Put your faith in Him. Put your faith in Him. He's going to lead you through. He's going to lead you through.